Mark chapter 5. This morning we spoke about encouraging ourselves and, uh, and how to deal with discouragement. And uh, unfortunately I have to leave tomorrow morning. Um, but, uh, we are we decided that we're going to do this conference here in Kiev every every year uh, probably around this time maybe a little earlier and uh, in May we'll have our Lviv conference uh, because Lviv is so beautiful in the spring so romantic beautiful city and then in Odessa uh, our summer camp and I'm still thinking about that time we had that was so much fun uh, it was really good time it was so good uh, really good so let's pray Heavenly Father we thank you for this time for your presence here Lord that we deserve nothing but just what you've given us by your grace Lord, we are like the Philadelphia Church that was weak but did not deny the name of Christ. We too in many ways are weak but we are also understanding the name of the Lord. Lord, we pray God for Venetia tonight. Lord, for Zhitomir, God, for Bila Serkva, for Harki. Lord, we pray for Lugansk tonight, that area of Ukraine. Lord, we pray, Father, for Odessa, Uman, Crimea. Do something beautiful, God, in in Western Ukraine, Lord. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to minister Christ. Speak to our hearts tonight as we open your word. In Jesus' name, thank you for our guests. Amen. I'd like to just speak a little bit about something that we touched on at the lunch wrap today. Uh, we discussed um, a couple things, and uh, I went back to my room and I was thinking about these things as I was resting. And I thought of these verses about the the power of a life that is consecrated to God. There is a powerful life that God wants to give us and that the world needs to see. When we, we in greater grace uh, talk a lot about the grace of God. Grace has done so much. Grace has done everything for us. Grace gives us the understanding and the entrance to a power life, powerful life by faith. And in Mark chapter 5, verse 30, we read this. 
this about this woman who's who was restored to she came and she touched Jesus' clothes and immediately she was whole and Jesus knew that virtue that virtue or power went out of him I think about that verse sometimes. That you and I have power in us. It's like power that is stored inside of us. That, that it gathers in us. And for maybe a simple illustration. Maybe not extremely accurate, but just to help us illustrate this principle. How many of you have ever in the winter time walked around in a room rubbing your feet on the floor? And then you touch somebody. And they zap. How many have ever had that As kids, we used to do it all the time. Just walk around and say, hey, how are you? <laughs> it's kind of like in one simple way. The way we, the way we are as Christians. As we walk with God. In a life of his grace and his word. The word of life begins to gather inside of us. And this word of life becomes something that is full of power. And when someone comes into contact with your life, they, they touch something that's living, and that's Jesus Christ. And this is what happened with Jesus Christ. Think of it with me for a moment. This woman understood that if, if she under, number one, she understood who Jesus was. And she understood, she had heard about him. And she, she understood his nature. She had heard about him. And she mixed faith with what she had heard. And she said, that it would be enough for me just to touch Christ. Um, Pastor Roman and I were driving here last night. Pastor Roman said to me, sometimes it's just enough for people to look at us. And they're edified. And we looking at you. And we are edified. Isn't that true? Because it's Christ in us. This gathering of the power of God. And Jesus knew that the power left. And he said, who touched my clothes? Very interesting. You know, in Christianity today, there's no power in a life that's only moral. Like a moral life is a great life. 
Це but it cannot heal someone. It can actually be a great testimony. And it may actually be a good picture of an orderly life with God. Cleanliness and purity. But what really is a powerful life? A powerful life comes only when we have our life surrendered at the cross. And the word of God. Because the Pharisees never healed anybody, did they? Mark chapter 7, verse 13. Pharisees never healed anybody. They were the moral police. But they never were able to deliver people from their burdens. I'm afraid that that's where Christianity is today. But what is powerful in our life? Well, let's look at um, a verse together here. In... Um, In Mark chapter 7. And let's look at verse 13 together. Just go ahead and read that. Go ahead and just read that in Ukrainian. Порушуючи Боже Слово вашим переданням, що його ви самі встановили. What was Jesus saying? He was saying that the Pharisees and those that belonged to them made the word of grace, the word of power of none effect. Through tradition. Through religious activity. The Pharisees added thousands of laws to the law of Moses. And with the coming of Christ and the preaching of the apostles, God began to simplify the, the, for the New Testament church what was actually righteousness and what was sin to the point where in Romans chapter 14 verse 23 very simply it was put that whatsoever is not of faith is error because Jesus fulfilled the law and many times we get wrapped up in the symptoms of of sin and our behavioral problems our our unbelief and we live in self-consciousness only aware of ourselves and this is because way before we sin we have left trusting God because sin now is, is, is really anything 
outside of trusting God. Це будь-що поза довіренням Богу. When I stop walking in faith in my life. Коли я припиняю ходити When you stop walking in faith by Коли ми з вами перестаємо жити по вірі. Then what will happen is So що стається? you will begin to go into the trends and the, of the defects of your personality uh, old wounds old memories and you're gonna we will go in that direction of bondage the key is is really to focus on our walk of faith but really where does our power come from Where does our power come from? And where does a powerful life come from? I think that sometimes we are serving and we are ministering and we are uh, preaching and praying and, uh, and we uh, minister to people. And I feel that sometimes we lack power. We feel that when we preach or when we minister that there is something that's missing. And there are some movements today in Christianity that try to fill that vacuum with emotionalism, uh, sensational miracles. Uh, worshiping the faith movement. But that's not where the power of God comes from. Power comes from this, what we're going to talk about here in a moment. Let's, let's look at an example in uh, Matthew chapter 17. And can I get a glass of water? Uh, Matthew 17, verse 21. Here are the disciples <laughs> preaching and ministering. And they come to a situation thank you, where they are unable to, to do something. And this is in verse 14 of chapter 17. And they weren't able to see this person get healed. And Jesus himself in verse 18 rebukes the demon and it comes out of him. And he was cured that very hour. And in verse 19, this is a next couple of verses, is very misunderstood today. Disciples said, why could we not cast out? And what did Jesus say? Wow, he, Jesus was not sentimental. He said, because of your unbelief. And what does that mean? It just means that they stepped outside of faith and began to walk by sight. Jesus talks about the mountain being moved and remember mountain in the Bible always speaks about a kingdom always talks about a kingdom remember that when you're interpreting the Bible that you shall say unto this kingdom 
І ви маєте, ви маєте казати цьому зараз. Be removed. Uh, and it shall be moved. But then he says in verse 21, this is what I want to focus on. This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now that sounds like works. That sounds like works, doesn't it? It sounds like a different kind of Christianity than what what we're used to in our our grace teaching. You know? And I just want to say this, that, that what does prayer and fasting mean in this case? That I have to pray all day. That I need to fast all day. Well, what is fasting? Well, let's go back to Isaiah 58. And here the Bible interprets itself. When you and I talk about fasting, um, we have to be careful that we don't get religious, have religious concepts about certain words. Because sometimes when we just get religious concepts, we get into a one little narrow, one-dimensional type of Christianity. Fasting, prayer, is not me trying to ascend to God. Okay, that's not prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting is defined here in chapter 58. And let's read verses 5 to 12. Go ahead and read that. Хіба ж оце піст, що я вибрав його? Той день, коли морить людина душу свою, свою голову гне, як та очеретина, і стелить верету та попіл. Чи ж оце називаєш ти постом та днем уподоби для Господа? Чи ж ось це не той піст, що я вибрав його? Розв'язати кайдани безбожності, пута ярма розв'язати і пустити на волю утиснених, і всяке ярмо розірвати, чи ж не це щоб вламати голодному хліба свого, а вбогих бурлаків додому впровадити. Що як побачиш на Гого, щоб вкрити його і не сховатись від свого рідного, засяє тоді, мов досвітня, зоря твоє світло. І худко шкірою рана твоя заросте, і твоя справедливість ходитиме перед тобою, а слава Господня сторожує заднє. Тоді кликати будеш, і Господь відповість, будеш кликати, і Він скаже, ось я, якщо віддалиш поміж себе ярмо. Не будеш підносити пальця і казати лихого, і будеш давати голодному хліб свій і здолену душу наситиш, тоді то засвітить у темряві світло твоє. І твоя темрява ніби як полудень стане, і буде Господь тебе завжди провадити, і душу твою нагодує в посуху, кості твої позміцняє, і ти станеш, немов той напоєний сад, і мов джерело, те, що води його не всихають. І руїни відвічні, сини твої позабудовують, поставиш основи довічні, і будуть тебе називати замуровник пролому, направник шляхів для поселення. Isn't that great? Those are great verses, aren't they? 
Amazing. That, that's fasting right there. That's the New Testament concept of fasting. Let's talk about this for a minute. Because here's Jesus telling his disciples that guys, you don't have spiritual power because you're lacking two things. A prayer life and I just want to say we have to have a prayer life uh, we can't plant a church in Vinitsa without prayer it's not going to happen we need to be on our knees in prayer as pastors uh, we need to be on our knees for people in our church we need to pray for people we need to be disturbed by their spiritual condition we need to be in prayer and hear from God and to listen to God and to be in intercession and spend some time in prayer otherwise we're going to be just living in a uh, uh, in a ministry of just wandering and just not ministering the second thing that Jesus says to his disciples is that, that you need to understand fasting and when we talk about fasting the first thing that we think about is not eating okay so um, please don't go to sleep here on me <laughs> when we think about fasting we think about not eating Okay. And that is such a narrow view. But when we talk about fasting in the New Testament, this is the verses that God speaks on about fasting. And it talks about laying down our life. It, means, it talks about ministry. It talks about undoing the heavy burdens. Breaking the yokes. To bring your house... Bring to your house the poor. Ministering. And what does this whole ministry here exemplify? A life of compassion. A mind of compassion. A something that is inside of us that makes us step out of our comfortability in our passivity. Uh, we were saying before the meeting that we always have to battle passivity in our lives. Because when we do that, when we are living in passivity, we just allow the devil to come into the garden and talk to Eve. What are some of the things that take our, that steal our power as a Christian? And that is just Judges, we talked about this this morning a little bit, Judges 16. It's very easy for us to be in a place where we allow things to steal our power, to steal our joy. 
дозволяємо красти нашу радість і нашу силу. The flesh Lord. would rather do something for God than to wait for God. I think that we need to grow in our depths in our relationship with God. That to grow in our life of prayer. To learn how to quiet ourselves before God. To learn how to hear from God. To learn how to possess our vessel in patience. To possess our soul in patience. Because in Isaiah 52, verse 11, it says that the vessels of the Lord need to be pure. Needs to be clean. And what that means is, is that there are some things for us there are things that for us are just that we just don't do, that other people may have the liberty to do. Because for us it's a distraction. When we talk about a spiritual fast, we're just talking about we are not, that we, we are fasting from the life, the carnal life. We are fasting from the life of Laodicea. That we are fasting from the life that is so easy to live in the flesh. That the cross comes into our life and becomes the center of our life the center of the tree of life and it crucifies all of the all of the worlds and brings us to a place where we can live in purity with God when we walk in that purity of who we are in Jesus Christ you will discover that your messages that you preach will be more powerful. Your counseling sessions with people will be more successful. That your evangelism will be more powerful. You'll notice everything will change. When you and I learn how to enter into a deeper life with God in prayer, we discover the power of concentration. And some people never really have true concentration in their life because they have no consecration. There's no consecration. Do you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Um, are you, you know, are you understanding what I'm saying? That... Um, it's, I'm sorry, it's just so um, distracting when people are walking around. Um, when we have when we have consecration with God and we just say no to certain things like and we say no to things and maybe they're not bad things 
But there are things that would probably distract us from really focusing on God. And we just say, you know what? No, I, I can't do that. That's awesome that you're going to do that, but I need to go home and I need to hear from God. I need to receive from God. When you learn how, when you and I learn how to center and to Focus on God. You're going to notice that you're not going to be so emotional. That you're not going to be someone who is so reactionary. Uh, I write about this in a book that I wrote about prayer. And I write about this whole subject. And for me, it was such a revelation in my life about a life that we can have with God that has an anointing to it. Because what is our ministry without an anointing? When there's no anointing in Isaiah chapter 10, there is no, the, the burden is not released. There's no, the people live in bondage. Maybe we have good doctrine. Maybe we have good intention. Maybe we are sincere. But if, if I am grieving the Holy Spirit in my personal life, then how can I expect to be able to have an impact on the kingdom of Satan? How can I expect to say to this mountain, be moved? How can I say, how can I expect to say to this kingdom, be moved? And cast into the sea. And if I'm living in something in my life that grieves the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 45, verse 7. Let's read this together. Because you have loved righteousness and you hated wickedness, I have anointed you. It's amazing. Not everybody experiences the anointing of God. That's what they said about Moses. The sons of uh, Korah, they were saying, aren't we all anointed? And the answer to that is no. I mean, we all may have the same doctrine. But if I'm not, if I'm living, grieving the Holy Spirit in my personal life, then there's no power, there's no anointing. And, and I can all day scream at the mountain and it's not going to move. Remember that verse, Isaiah 45, verse 7. Isaiah 45. Yeah, let's read that together. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Psalm. Psalm. Oh, I said Isaiah. Sorry. My bad. 
Псалом. Давайте откроем Псалом. This is what happens when you travel to three or four different countries and then try to preach a message. 45 або 44, 8 у нас. Ти полюбив справедливість, або законня зненавидь. Тому намастив тебе Бог, Боже, твій Бог, оливою радості понад друзів твої. Боже Слово тримає нас від гріха. In Psalm 119, verse 11. Ми говорили про це на дискусії на обіді. Can I make a decision not to sin? You know, and if I can, am I I not sinning in the strength of the flesh or am I not sinning in God's power? And if I'm not sinning, am I going to get proud? The answer to that is this. I was thinking about this this afternoon. Is that when the word of God is dwelling in us, it keeps us from sin. That's as simple as it is. And I just want to tell you something. That if you honor the word of God, if you just honor it every day, and, high, and, and, and hold the word of God above your necessary food. God will promote you. God will promote your life. God will use you. God will, God will move through you. And you will be a powerful person. And you will live with power over your old sin nature. Because we're kept by the power of God's word in 1 Peter 1 verse 5. 1.5 God keeps us by his power. I just want to say a couple things about immaturity. That there's two ways that we can live our life as a Christian. Most Christians, most Christians, a very large majority of Christians, including us many times, we live in, in spiritual immaturity. And how is that? Well, we're, um, immaturity means that I'm constantly battling temptation and sin. Number two, I'm emotional. You know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an emotional Christian. And number three, I'm struggling with my thought life. Fighting with my thoughts. Number four, my life is just a cycle of chastisement and bad decisions. And number five, uh, my uh, fifth characteristic of an immature spiritual life self-consciousness and just, uh, just about my own preferences. This is spiritual immaturity. Somebody, somebody most may say, well, you know, we all need grace. We all need to live in grace. And I, absolutely. We cannot know God outside of grace. But grace leads us to a place 
of healing and a place of power where we can begin to think with God and say, you know what, I have a mission in my life. And that my life is not just a cycle of failure and repentance and failure and repentance. Because that, that's okay, okay? Maybe that will be like that until we grow into maturity. But God wants to bring us to a place of maturity. And that's four things. Number one, communion, deeper communion with Christ. Where I'm living with my old sin nature is just crucified. And it's not me crucifying it. It's not me not sinning. It's just I'm not even aware of my flesh. I'm aware of Jesus Christ in communion. Now, this, you know, we're going to fail sometimes, yes. But if we understand maturity, failure is only three seconds, maybe. Or we just, I mean, you know, and then we rebound. And we're, you know, we're back in communion. Not in this endless cycle of failure and condemnation repentance temptation failure condemnation it's just a cycle and 20 years later how you doing I'm just this emotional ups and downs because Spiritual power in my life means that I'm relaxing in the cross. I'm relaxed in the cross. I'm relaxed in the love of God. Uh, even if I fail, I'm still relaxed in the love of God. Uh, and, and I'm relaxed in who I am in Jesus Christ. I'm living in a spiritual fast. And I look at the world. And I can say that is such a scam. That is such a joke. Number two. Spiritual maturity is just God consciousness. You know, remember when the disciples went with Jesus to the garden to pray? In Matthew 26. Jesus said, what did he say to them? What watch and pray. This is another level of Christianity. It's it's we're no longer fighting and pointing the finger like it says in Isaiah 58. You know, and it's but it's a point now I'm with Jesus in the garden. We are in spiritual warfare. We are praying. God is working. Something amazing is going to happen in the plan of God. Jesus is going to be crucified. He's going to rise from the dead. And this is a living in spiritual maturity. Number three, taking steps of faith in our life. In the promises of God. That's spiritual maturity. When I'm not worried about if I get a coffee or a hamburger or not. Or hamburger. Talking about talking about the American mentality right now. 
I remember one story that I heard that there was a pastor that had come out of um, communist prison for 14 years. And they were at a conference, at a leadership conference. And they had all of this teaching and sessions and Bible study and And they and at one moment with all the leaders they sat down to eat. Uh, everybody was served food except for this pastor who had suffered for 14 years in prison, Pastor Richard Richard um, and he didn't care he was used to not eating that's he was but he but he wanted to test something so he takes his fork and he took the meat off one pastor's plate and just started eating it and smiling and that pastor got angry at Pastor Richard Wormbrand. And he said, you know what? You're just a baby. You're just a spiritual baby. Because he got angry because somebody took his meat. That is spiritual immaturity, isn't it? Sounds funny, but it's really true. When you and I take steps of faith in our life, and everything is not perfect, then that's okay because God is with us. And number four, spiritual maturity means I'm ministering to people. That's really great. Because a church that serves people is a church that's going to be spiritually mature. You know, I just love how Pastor Roman was talking about and Pastor Misha were talking about the evangelism today. You know, and it's like, you know, they have a vision in their hearts to evangelize. What is that? That's spiritual maturity, isn't it? Because we could just sit and have no vision in our life. I love what God is doing with our brothers from the Middle East over here, brothers and sisters. Because it's spiritual maturity. And they're, and they're living with a vision in their life. I'll finish with this. That... That... Sometimes it's very good for us to go to our prayer room and just not in a legalistic condemning way but just have a time with God and just repent from things and just say, God, I just repent of that. Lord, am I grieving your Holy Spirit in some way? If I am, show me. And if we pray that, God will. And grow in our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And not being familiar with sin. Because repentance comes from God. And I will finish with this, okay? We call it, in greater grace, a gift of repentance. 
And what that means is, is that the flesh cannot repent. The leopard cannot change his spots. Your flesh, my flesh, cannot repent. It loves sin. If we want repentance to happen, we have to understand what it says in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. It's the goodness and forbearance of God that leads us to repentance. And repentance is not just some kind of a mental, a mental change of my some psychological exercise but it's a change that God produces through the conversion of the word of God in our life we see in the Bible that God changes people's minds Acts 5 verse 31 Acts 11 verse 18 2 Timothy 2.25 God gives repentance. So if there's something that needs to change in our life, the more we try to change that ourselves, the more we're going to aggravate that lust. The more we try to change something in our life, the more we are going to irritate that. If I'm not patient and I try to be more patient in the energy of the flesh, I'm only going to become more impatient. It's God who, number one, draws us to himself. John 6, verse 44. And it's God who changes our minds. We say, God, in our prayer room, you showed me what grieves you, and now you have showed that to me. Now, God, I ask you to convert me. You convert me. I'm going to trust you for conversion in my life. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And God just showed me what that verse recently means. It means that, God, I believe. I have all the Bible verses on this subject. But I have no power in my life. And we just say, God, help my unbelief. And for us to go to God and say, Lord, I believe, but there's unbelief in my life. It's okay to do that. God desires us to do that. And when that man came to Jesus and he said that, Jesus at that moment did the miracle. Sometimes God cannot convert us into a powerful life because we refuse to say to God to be honest to God and say, God, I have unbelief in my life. 
It would be easy for us to come to God and say, God, I believe everything. I have, I have absolute trust in you. Oh, don't look at that little space over there, God. It's just, you know, you know, but it's very, but when we take that and say, God, here's my unbelief. God says, thank you for your honesty. And we bring that to God. And God takes it from us through the cross. And then we begin to enter into a life of true fasting. Isaiah 58. And we experience the power of God in I want to grow in the power of God. I want to grow in holiness. I want to grow in godliness. I want to grow out of familiarity. I want to grow out of just a dumb spirit. I want to grow into discernment. Grow into godliness. Everybody talks about be holy, be holy. But nobody really tells you how to do that. We just told you tonight how to do that. That we line ourselves up with who we are in Jesus Christ. We live in God consciousness, drawing near in prayer, and we no longer are living in self-consciousness, the flesh consciousness. And this is how we're going to reach Ukraine. This is how we're going to reach other places. This is how our churches are going to grow. Because you know something? I could be a pastor for 20 years, 15 years, and not be serious about some of these things. And if I do get serious about these things, then our life is going to be powerful, and our marriages will change. And our, our, our work ethics will change. And our testimony will change. And our, our inner life will change. Anyway, I've just preached for 50 minutes. I need to stop. So, Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the life in the Spirit. For this conference together. Thank you for just the awesome people that are in this room. That God, you desire to to work through us to see mountains move. Remembering that a mountain always speaks of a kingdom. Lord, we just want to see kingdoms moved in this country. We want to see the demonic kingdom fail and be broken in cities across Ukraine. Lord, we want to see you lifted up and exalted in the grace of God. Lord, we just ask you to use us. Use us these days. Thank you for what you're doing in Lviv with the refugees. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing here in this city, for this conference. Thank you, God, for Pastor Roman and Albina's laid-down life, Andre and Olga and all of those that work hard here making this conference a great conference. Thus we pray tonight in the rap to follow in Jesus' name. Amen.